This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 661 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, The Murdoch Method, and Trust Design. On today's show, we're joined by Gina Epping, who will give us great tips on clipping your horse. Then, Wendy Murdoch will be with us for our monthly chat, and our tip today will be all about the expectations you should have when you send your horse for training. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Hey, Reese. We're uh, recording a little bit early. We uh, this are. Week. So, I mean, it's not accurate in, in, in what's going on with us because, uh, well, I'll be in Florida. So, yeah, you'll be here in Florida, and I'm excited. And actually, we're going to the Jessica von Brendel conference. I guess it's at Global. I'm really excited. She was a German gold medalist uh, in Tokyo. So that is next Thursday night. And so honestly, we both were like, yeah, we're going to record early. So we're excited to be here tonight. And we hope you enjoy tonight's show. And it uh, gives Phil and I a little, little quiet time. And uh, we'll get to hang out together in person. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we've got a great show for tonight. We hope you enjoy. Right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with Gina Epping. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight, I am so happy to have a friend of mine for many years. I don't even know how long. Gina Epping on the line. She's a professional rider and a professional clipper. And she actually put something on Facebook a couple weeks ago that she was having a clipping clinic. And I thought, this is perfect for the radio show. Gina, welcome. Hi. <laughs> We're happy yes, to have I you. I am the fur mongrel. I take care of all the fur things. You do. You do. And and Phil and I, we were just chatting before we, we got on the recording and we were saying how Phil did it a few weeks ago and he maybe did a bad job on purpose. Um, no, I, I said be- I didn't do a bad job uh-huh, on purpose. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. There was but, a week. You know, my mind is just not 
detail oriented enough, you know? <laughs> but this is a real <laughs> thing. I have to be honest. I don't clip. Um, I actually have a horse allergy. So I really struggle when I clip because I, I have to mask and wear the suit and all the things. So I, I also am very happy to pay someone like Gina to clip my horses because it's a thing. So Gina, tell us, how did you get into this and how do you wrangle all the fur? Um, it was an accident. Let's be completely honest. It was a complete accident. I started clipping like my own horses. I clipped horses for the people that I worked for when I was a barn manager and a working student. And then all of a sudden, everyone just started asking just little by little. And I post all of the pictures of the horses that I clipped. And I started a hashtag for them. It's hashtag sharp clipped horse. And people started seeing it and away we went. And then I started clipping racehorses. And um, there is an endless supply of racehorses in Kentucky. <laughs> yes. So there we go. I just keep clipping. I love it. So about how many do you do a year? Um, I actually just told one of the grooms today because he asked how many and I think it's probably about 200. Wow. Okay. Now we're talking. That's a lot. That's, That's a, lot. a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Tell us, you know, when you, you want to clip a horse, th there's lots of options, right? So how do you pick an option for your horse? It is hard, especially it's easy. I will say it's easy on the racehorses. They either get everything taken off or they take off their legs and they leave a trace clip on top to keep them warm. But for some of the amateur riders or some of dressage riders or event riders, it's really hard to pick. And I actually help people decide what needs to come off. The more work the horse is in, the more fur I take off. So your average bear that rides a little bit during the winter, but the horse still gets sweaty or they go to an indoor, we do a trace clip. And then if the horse is in full work, we usually do a full body. If it's a horse that's also showing, then I take off everything. So the full body is going to leave the legs and I call it the full Monty when I take everything off. So legs, face, everything. And just as a question, like how long does that take you? Yeah, good one. You, you being um, the, yeah, I think good question. The, 200, 200 horses a year or whatever, you are the expert of experts. I mean, this is not going to be me you know, trudging away, but, but, you know, how long is that process for the full Monty? For the full Monty on a racehorse, they're a little bit smaller than some of the warm blood and they're usually sedated. So I call that, that I'm going to be done in a lens crafter minute. So I get them done <laughs> in a little over an hour. I wow. love it. Yeah. Some of the big guys, um, they take a little bit closer to an hour and a half. If I'm there for two hours, I'm probably very, very angry and the horse yeah. is probably very naughty. <laughs> right. So, so let's talk about sedation because it's my friend. I mean, again, we're, we're not talking competition, right? In, in drug regulations, but yeah. if you're coming into clip and your horse is wiggling all over the place, I mean, I'm, I'm all for sedating it and letting you, you do your job, you do a better job, but how do you decide when you want to go ahead and sedate a horse? To be honest, I, almost always have the resources sedated mostly because I'm doing head and legs and those are the most sensitive parts. And if they're in a situation that they're already a little bit charged, it's going to be hard to get those done. So they almost always get sedated. Um, mostly get 
sedated with Dorm. I do also add Torb to any of the things that are on the truck because the vet is the only one that can sedate on the track. So it's readily available for them to use both. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other horses, like if you just have a horse, you know, a regular show horse and there's dorm gel, the vet's there and they give you some dorm gel. um, That's only going to take the edge off. So if a horse doesn't love it and they just start twitching, then we're going to sedate with that because it makes the clip easier, faster, person's happier, horse is happier, both of you are safer. A lot of times I can get through most horses if I don't have to clip their legs without sedation. And it's taken a long time to do that. So I would say if you're an amateur or you haven't clipped a lot, expect to maybe have to skip some areas if you don't have sedation on hand or the horse doesn't have a really good history of standing to be clipped. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I love it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I agree with that. I'm not, yeah. I'm not adverse to better living through pharmaceuticals. Um, so, so that's good. And, and I have access to a veterinarian, which, uh, which is good for me as well. So he's married to one. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> He's like, yes, honey dear. We honey love Meredith. Dear, please help this yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so let's talk about the clip itself. I mean, um, what, what's your, what's your preferred tool? Uh, you know, but let's get into the, the details of, of what you work with. I have several sets of clippers. Um, I always come with several sets of clippers. Tonight was a perfect example I was clipping some really woolly ponies and a set of my regular large clippers. I use Lister Stars, and they decided that one of the posts was not going to stay in them. And so, as always, I had a backup set. I usually have backup parts as well. So I typically clip with the Lister Star, and I clip with Premier One Blades. I use fine blades because they match up with a 10 blade that I use in my small Andis clippers. So then I can seamlessly go legs, face, body, everything can be the same length and I don't have to worry about blending anything. Or if for some reason both sets of my big clippers didn't work, I still can clip the whole body with the small set. So I also, another tip for me that I found out is I've started using ceramic blades Um, They're only available for my small clippers, but I've been using the same set of ceramic blades for five full horses, and I haven't had to switch them out yet. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. And they stay cool. Like today, prime example, when I have a horse that's sedated, I was doing a racehorse and we were just doing its legs, half of its face, and a trace clip. I didn't stop one time to actually do anything to the blades or switch out the blades and they were still not too hot. I'm not going to say that everyone can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mere morals. So so let's, let's talk about that. Like what, what, you know, while, while you're, while you're clipping a horse, what are you watching for? You know, you say that, I mean, I know this from experience, you say the blades get hot, but they do. So what do you do? What do you do about that? I mean, I'm usually, working under TikTok of sedation of how much you have left. So I wear a jacket. First of all, I wear a headlamp because everybody needs to be able to see easier. So I always have my headlamp on, make sure it's charged. Um, And then I wear a jacket that 
I trash because it's the trashed clipping jacket. It's disgusting. It's covered in oil and hair all the time. But in my pocket for the little clippers, I keep two extra sets of blades. And then in my other pocket, I keep my oil because the Lister clippers need to be oiled every five or 10 minutes. And you will know they need oiled because they change the pitch of which they're clipping. Like you can hear it. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It changes sounds. It will. Yeah, start it goes, to goes from a certain whiny pitch. sound to a higher pitched or. Yeah. So just like pay attention. You'll know when they start getting to be at the end of the amount of oil between the blades and mm-hmm. you will also be able to tell because it'll start to get a little choppy and it won't flow through the hair quite as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, we're, it's now springtime and you're in Kentucky. You're, you're from where I'm from um, when I'm not yeah. here in Florida. But even down here in Florida, we're having horses that need to sort of be clipped again. Obviously, you know, it makes sense in the fall to clip them. But how do you decide in the spring, like, okay, let's go ahead and clip them again? Yeah. My general rule is I try to not clip anything like past the middle or end of March, because at this point, the days are getting longer. The horses are growing in their spring coat. And if you have something that's really woolly, like let's take my big horse, Sven, for example, he has gigantic Irish hair and I can't leave his spring coat. His spring coat will still be too thick. So I don't care if it gets clipped off. Because the only coat that he's going to be able to wear comfortably is his summer coat. And so with a lot of horses, they get clipped in, I would say, November. Some of them get clipped in October. And then I would do their what I call their cleanup clip, probably the end of February to the middle of March. And then anything after that, especially if you give them a trace clip, it's going to show. When they shut out. The chestnut will especially have a line where that trace clip is even after they've completely shut out. I just had another quick question. Um, how do you keep the lines really straight? <laughs> and how, how do you, you keep track what? of left versus right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, honestly, I was thinking the other day, I was in total clipping zone. I had five that I did in a row. Like they were clean, bathed good behaving horses. And I was just in the zone and I was thinking about how I feel like rain man, because I can see the line that I need to clip before I clip it. Okay. <laughs> Phil, we're in trouble. Like yeah. It's not happening for us. Basically. <laughs> it will happen. Here's the beginner's guide. Okay. Horses have muscles. They have a lot of muscles. Their front. If you're leaving their legs, you follow the muscle line on their shoulder. You go, up to the point of the muscle line, and then you go down the colic, down the front of the leg. So between their chest, where they have the big colic, you just clip straight down it. And then the hind, there's two real options for leaving the hind legs. You can either follow the muscle line that goes straight into the gaskin, or you can follow the next muscle line that goes straight into the colic. So kind of pick a spot not all the way down at their hock, probably above those tendons. Yeah. And then literally just aim at the corner, either aim at the bottom of the colic or aim at the end of the leg where it meets the body. And if you push hard enough, 
the muscle line will help you follow it because you can feel it move. Okay. (laughs) Don't do that with a kicker though. It's not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is why safety first. first. Oh my God. Safety first. I have been kicked by three horses since December and all of them were sedation. Oh Oh my God. This is not a job for the faint of heart. Yeah. Yes. Again, Gina, we're so thankful that you came on and and you gave us some tips. This is really helpful. If people have any questions, how can they get in contact with you? Um, I'm definitely on Facebook. Um, I also, my professional page is Gem Eventing, J-E-M Eventing. And my Instagram is gem event. And that's where I post all of those lovely pictures of the sharp clip horse and the racehorse. Their hashtag is hashtag fast and furless. Oh, cute. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fun. Thanks for having me. This is Sophia Agena. I'm Casey Wilbanks-Coletti. And I'm Mike Donnell. We're here to tell you about OISA, the Western and English Sales Association, and its podcast, Wisdom by OISA. OISA produces the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives in the equestrian industry. On our show, we talk to people who tell the stories of some of the best-known Western and equestrian brands. Visit wisdombyoisa.com and tune in today. Well, tonight we are always so happy to have Wendy Murdoch from the Murdoch Method on the show. Wendy, welcome back. Thanks. It's always great to be with you guys. It's I always smile and um and enjoy our calls. They're always fun. Us too. Us too. Because we laugh because we're all in the same. We were like, didn't we just talk? And it was a month ago. But it, 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 I, I know. I think we're all like, oh my gosh, what just happened to the last month? Because I think this is a feeling we're all feeling. Um, and and I, I can only talk about the horse world and my my life and scheduling my life. But it is true. We have not had to schedule really anything travel wise. And and the three of us all travel a lot and we're all always out doing stuff. And the fact that we're like coming out of mothballs, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? It is so weird. And, you know, I was telling someone, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan. I happen to be a huge Harry Potter fan. And, um, (laughs) um, (laughs) and the house the, the, the safe house that they had, right? Like you had to have the special password to get into the house because you couldn't see it and it would just close up and it wouldn't be there. I feel like the last two years, that's exactly what happened. I feel like it just, you know, 2019 and March, 2022 collapsed together and the two years just vanished. I mean, it's the weirdest feeling. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Literally. I'm like, Oh wait, I haven't seen you. And it's like before COVID and it's like, that was two years ago. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, it's true. I think, I think we all, we all like that are on this call, we spend a lot of time, like not together, but virtually, you know, and, and, and certainly I loved, uh, Phil and Paul. We, I think we all three of us enjoyed our Thursday calls because that's what we did on Thursday. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> a human contact day, right? Yeah, It was a human <laughs> contact, but not human. And same thing with you. Like we, you know, we feel very up to date with you guys. Cause you were in our little bubble because 
that's what we were doing, but it is so true. And I think a lot of horse professionals are, are in, in professionals in every industry, I'm sure are, are, are dealing with this. So you used to travel so much, like we could never keep track of you. So what is it like now to kind of get back to well, life? It's, what's, what's so weird. So, I mean, it used to be, you know, where's Wendy? I kind of felt like where's Waldo. Yes. <laughs> Um, and the last clinic that I did, I did a surefoot workshop and it was in Aiken, South Carolina. And when I came home, it was the beginning of March, two years ago. And then we went into lockdown. Mm -hmm. And the weirdest thing is I was in Aiken, South Carolina, the last weekend in February for the Sharon May Davis dissection, which was absolutely mind blowing and amazing. She is so amazing. And, um, I just, I had, she'd been a guest on my webinars with Wendy. She's actually my number one webinar that I've done of all the webinars over 260 webinars she is my number one webinar and she's such an amazing person and she's so knowledgeable so I was down there and as I'm driving home I'm like oh my god the two years it's gone I'm coming home from exactly the same place that I came home from two years ago that's crazy so sorry I, I missed the name who is this person Sharon May Davis. Oh, she's a woman from uh, Australia, a PhD, and she does dissections. And so we did a three-day oh. dissection with her, which, okay. I mean, the woman has more knowledge in her pinky finger than, I mean, it's so amazing. And so we looked at this horse and she showed us all these different things. And this was a horse that had a lot of problems. And so it was donated and the owner was so incredibly generous and she was there the whole time but to see like the reciprocal mechanism and actually move the leg and look at the muscles and watch the reciprocal mechanism and and feel the spine and the horse had kissing spine and feel the kissing spine and all of Sharon's knowledge filling in lots of information as you're doing this dissection and doing a practicum which was hands-on and you know feeling the different fascia and the nuchal ligament and the tendons and it was just, it was amazing. It was, you know, like if you, if you want to know what's under the skin, you got to, you know, it's the only way to go. And once you do that, it's like forever changed because now you look at horses completely different. I mean, it's just an amazing experience. I mean, she's yeah. phenomenal. She's wow. done over 500 dissections and she did the talk on my webinars for, uh, about ECVM the equine vertebral complex malformation, which it happens to have a genetic link. So super interesting woman, incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly experienced. Just she was talking about what she does for pre-purchase and I was blown away. I was like, I'd never heard that before as an idea. That's really cool. And I mean, and you know, I mean, just an amazing woman, but it was in Aiken. And so I'm driving home from Aiken and here I am having this deja vu experience. So, oh my God, that was two years ago. And here I am two years later doing the same thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's true. It was so strange. well. Well, I, I think I think the other thing that we were just talking about before we got, uh, you know, um, online or recording the chat is is basically like now we're kind of um, required to schedule more than one week out. Yeah, right? yeah. I think, I think we I all kind of know. got into that thing. Is yeah. like, well, yeah, I'd like to go to he this or that or you know, but I but the whole world couldn't schedule a month out because you didn't know what was happening right you know <laughs> no you'd like, schedule oh, yeah. and then you'd go okay i'll probably cancel that and yep i canceled it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no it was it was crazy and so you know now i'm i'm teaching again i it was so weird because i i mean it was like okay i got a date and i'm gonna put all this stuff in my car and drive to this and play and teach five laps and i was like oh my god that is so weird i gotta so i cool. gotta burn i gotta sunburn on my arms it's the first time they've oh, seen no. that much daylight in two years rookie mistake girl rookie mistake. 
Well, it's Virginia, oh. so it's not like Florida sunburn, okay? Oh, oh yeah. But, but you do that once in your life. You'll never do that oh, again. I'll never. That. You carry it in your car, in your purse, everywhere. For yeah. sure. But it is, a, you know, so I'm starting to schedule clinics and workshops again, the Surefoot workshops, because it's, it's so popular. And they're, and we want equine professionals to take the training so they really understand how to use the pads. And, and we need more people to help us because... There's a lot of people that don't know about it or don't know how to use them. So we're we're organizing Surefoot Practitioner Workshops and then my riding workshops, which, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep it limited. So I'm not running around the world the way I was before. But, you know, I mean, it's so I'm just starting to starting up. But it's uh, it feels good. I was like in February, I was finally at the point where it's like, I got to get out of my my basement office. I just I just have to get out. <laughs> you got you to gotta go back to doing stuff. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you were even talking about crossing the border and coming up north. Yeah, yeah. We look like we might get a Surefoot workshop and maybe some riding lessons and stuff um, up in uh, Ontario. So we're we're talking about that. That would be awesome. I'm definitely going up to New England. And I've got a Surefoot workshop on Vashon Island the first weekend in May for it's uh, the school that's out there that does um, acupressure. And it's with Lola and, and Kim Bauer. And of course, I forgot the name of the school right now. <laughs> so that's okay. That's we'll okay. get it. Oh, that's fantastic, though. I mean, I think that that's partly where we all are. We're, we're starting to able to, to, to do that. And, and I think it is so weird for everybody, but it is so exciting. You know, I think, I think all of us certainly in, uh, in this discussion, you know, we were able to find some really cool ways to meet people and to get information, equine information, dressage information out uh, during the pandemic, which was really special. And I think uh, we all learned a lot from that. And you started some amazing webinars and you were able to do so many things, but to be able at the end of the day, to be able to, to be in person and to, to help riders and to see horses, uh, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we had, I just have to tell you about this one horse because it was so incredible. So I did a surefoot workshop, I think two weekends ago, whenever it was. And, um, this woman who's a fox hunter and she, she gets off the track thoroughbreds and she got a hold of this one horse speedy and he was going to be in a kill pen if she hadn't taken him. And I don't know, she's had him for years, but he's, she's a delightful woman and he's a horse that does not stop. Right. He's in constant right. motion. And so she was one of our demo horses for the workshop. And I just started with the pads. And the next thing, Speedy was standing still. And she posted on Facebook that he broke a world record for standing for four minutes. Wow. <laughs> People were like, they couldn't believe it. They were like, is that Speedy? No, that's a double. Mm-hmm. He can be Speedy. They'll have to rename him. Yeah. Yeah. His name is Speedy. So yeah. you got it. <laughs> But it's so exciting to see that kind of a change. And, you know, it was literally a half an hour. And so she told him fox hunting was canceled the next day. So he wouldn't know that there was fox hunting. And she brought him back. And his neck was down. I mean, this is a horse that had his neck in the air forever. And at the walk, his neck was down. And we're, you know, we were working into the trot. And, of course, the habits are going to come back when you pick up a little bit of speed. But she could come back to walk. His neck would drop and he would stand. And that was just in two days. And, you know, it's that kind of stuff that, for the reason Surefoot is so rewarding and why I have, you know, spent two years in my basement trying to get things organized. My workbook is almost done. I'm working on the cover. At least the first Oh my one. God, that's amazing. I know. It's like, it's like that's been in process for what, six years, seven years, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so You've probably been thinking about it for a long time. Since the beginning. Yep. Yep. Right. But, um, but it's finally coming to fruition and I'm really excited about it. And I just, you know, that's the thing is it's so much fun to see the horses and the changes of the riders too. Okay. 
Yes. Um, yeah. But, but it's really fun to see the changes and and um and watch people get it and watch horses get it. And that's so yeah, so I'm going back on the road. So what how can people kind of find out where you're gonna be, where and when and where do you update that information? So I, I haven't gotten it up on my calendar yet on my website, but um, we're putting stuff up on Facebook. So the Murdoch Method page or the Surefoot Equine page is where the, you'll find the Surefoot workshops on the Surefoot Equine page. And we'll be putting the riding workshops up on Murdoch Method. And ultimately, I will get it up on my website, which you just reminded me that I I haven't, and I need to. <laughs> well, people, can't, um, people can't go to where you're going if, if they don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I'm making a note right now. I'm ready to calendar on website post. And if anybody's interested, you know, they can pop us an email, wendy at wendymurdoch.com. Actually, info at murdochmethod.com is better because it'll go to my assistant, um, Alex Hamilton, who's um, fabulously trying to organize me. Not an easy job at all. No, not an easy job at all. Not an easy job at all. She's like, it's like herding cats between me and my organizers. (laughs) She's doing a great job because she's trying to wrangle Reese so we can come and visit in April. And I know Reese is like not home yet. So that's really tough. <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> well, we'd love it. And I can't wait to see you. It's going to be so fun to see you in person as well. It'll yeah, be great it'll be fun. Blast. And we'll, we'll definitely post some pictures. So we love it. Yeah. Well, Wendy, as always, we love it when you come on one more time. How can we find you online? Okay. So murdochmethod.com and you can, you know, go to the contact form there. Um, Facebook, Murdoch Method, um, Surefoot Equine for the website and for Surefoot on Facebook and info at MurdochMethod.com if you're interested in a workshop or a clinic and Alex will get back to you. And just remember the webinars are still out there. We keep uploading them onto Wendy's Winnie's, my my um, podcast. And um, that way you don't have to have your YouTube playing while you're driving down the road. That's why we do the podcast version, the audio version of the webinar. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. And I can't wait to see you in person. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah, looking forward to it. And Phil, I might just see you if I get up to Canada. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. You just keep keep me informed. Keep me in the loop. I absolutely (laughs) will. Absolutely. Give your horses the bold and beautiful style that they deserve with a trust design halter. From custom hardware to padded calf leather top with colorful patterns, trust design halters will turn heads everywhere you go. They are truly one-of-a-kind design halters. Visit trustdesign.com for more info. That's T-R-V-S-T design.com. Well, Phil, for this week's Trust Design Tip of the Week, you and I were talking off air a little bit about sort of expectations when you send your horse in training. Because obviously you and I are coming from the trainer's perspective. I have also sent horses in training. um, And so I have gotten sort of the feeling of what it's like to send a horse in training, which I think is good for me, because I I understand how clients feel, but we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of expectations. So how about you take it away in the beginning? Well, I think, you know, most people would send a horse away to get it backed, to get, to get it started in its, in its process. I I think that's the most common situation. And that's really a difficult thing. I mean, handing over your horse and saying, okay, this is, this is what, what I'd like it to be able to do when I eventually get it back. You know, this, this is what you have to be really clear 
um, in your own uh, capabilities as a rider. And then, you know, you can you can have that conversation with the trainer, but it has to be kind of a, a two way street. Right. You can't just you can't just drop it off and say, all right, well, you know, fix this or, you know, I want it. I want it done in X amount of time and, and, and that kind of thing, because as you and I both know, horse training is really individual to each horse. So you've got to talk about, you know, you've got to talk to your, your trainer or your prospective trainer about what the horse is, you know, how it is in its personality, you know, different things that you've already done with it and uh, what your expectation is when you get it back. And then I think the trainer is fair to say, okay, here's, here's what I think I can do. Here's my expected timeline. And that can change at any moment. Right. And so I, I think it's not a real clear cut picture until the trainer gets the horse and starts riding it for a bit. And then they can, then maybe they can give you a, a more accurate timeline. Um, yes. But I just absolutely hate you know, people that contact you and are like, well, I, I want my horse to go walk, trot, canter, uh, really quietly. It's a great horse. And, you know, 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, you know, and then, and then me, I'm like, I have no idea whether it's going to be 30, 60, 90, six months, three years or whatever. I haven't met the horse. I don't know you, I, you know, like this is a real, a real problem in, in the, the client's expectations. So I, I usually like to say, okay, well, well, we're going to do our first 30 days and then, and then we'll talk from there into what, what the complete expectation is. Yes. Well, I think just, just that concept, right? Just the idea of having clear expectations for everyone. And that is also in communication. You know, I think again, clear expectation of, I want to see a picture of my horse, an update of my horse once a week, every three days, whatever it is, I think it needs to be spelled out. So there isn't, somebody's not upset that they didn't get a video or they didn't hear something. Um, I think that's really important to understand. I think it's really important that you have trust in the person you're sending your horse to. You know, I have horses in Kentucky right now and I'm in Florida. I've been here almost four months and I see something of them once a week. Uh, I typically do a virtual lesson once a week, so I get to see them and see what they're doing. But my expectation has to be that they're with people that I know will take good care of them and they will call me if there is a problem. My sister happens to like drive by the barn every day and the horses are out. So she sees them and she, she drives slowly by to sort of put her eyes on them every day. Um, so I think that that is important. Again, just very clear expectations of what you're looking for. And, you know, to, to say to a trainer, for example, well, you know, I want my horse cantering and four months. Well, theoretically that is something that can happen. Right. But I am not sure that that'll happen. It depends on a lot of things. Right. So I think that that's important again, to be very clear. I think a check-in after 30 days is very reasonable for the trainer and for yourself and just understanding and being realistic about your actual horse, his breeding, his type of uh, a body style, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, a young warm blood is going to have an easier time than, than a non-traditional breed. Not always, but sometimes. So I think it's just, this is a point where expectations need to be written out. Um, 
I, I'm I'm kind of like you, Phil. I don't have time to write an essay every day of what the horse does. I have time to do that once a week. So I make sure that my clients know, hey, I'm going to, I'll connect with you once a week and let you know how it's going. Um, but every trainer is different. Uh, and I think it's really important to ask your trainer and to find out um, what that expectation is again. So that's clearly written out. And I think there's a lot of different variables, but I think sometimes people's expectations and realities are not the same. And that's where the whole sort of problem comes with, with trainers and with other, other people. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. Cause we've never really talked about it on the show. And I think some people get frustrated and, and we as trainers get frustrated and, it, and it's a difficult time. So it's all fun and games when it works well. And I think that's really important for people to know that, but be realistic with what you're asking. Make sure you have good communication with the trainer, really line out. When are we going to communicate? How many times a week? How do you want the communication to happen? I think also very important. And yeah, I think I mean, everyone uh, has great time. It, yeah. Yeah, I think it's very reasonable as a client to, to want a check-in or, or to be able, I, I mean, I've heard of trainers that won't let you come to the barn and see your horse. I think that that's, that's insane. That's a red flag. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, like I, if, if you want to come and, and watch me ride every day, I mean, that's great, but but let me know. Exactly. Yeah. Let let us know. I mean, I, and I can, you know, uh, schedule it or, or, or figure it out. But, but if, but if that was your expectation off the hop, and then, you know, you just start showing up. Well, that's not, I mean, there's that's a communication there. problem there, yeah, right? Like, absolutely. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to ride my horse today. Well, I was like, yes, but I've got this, this, and this to do. So maybe, maybe we can't coordinate on, on, on a time for us to get together to that you can watch and, and, and I can ride and, and whatever. And, and like you said, I mean, horse training is really difficult even for, you know, like, I'm not saying I'm the best at it in the world, but even for professionals, it's like when I have a problem, I sort of question myself and it will take me a few days or, or, or a while to kind of figure out what, what's the problem, you know, whether it's a tack issue, you know, you've got to try a few things. I can't, sure. you know, if, the, if, if something happened on Tuesday, I can't say I'm going to have it figured out on Thursday. I mean, that's, you know, maybe you will. We hope you do, maybe. but a lot I'm of always times hoping it for the best. Time. I mean, you always hope for the best, but you know, in, in my programs, or, or just my philosophy in, in life is sort of under promise over deliver rather than yeah. the other way around. I know, you know, sure. it doesn't matter what business it is, you know, so some people like to over promise and under deliver and I'm right. just, I don't, I don't like that. And so when you're, when you're out there searching for a trainer or, you know, like, you know, you have a young horse and you're like, okay, you know, try to figure, you know, try to figure out what, what each person's personal philosophy is you know, and, uh, and try and, and, and try and match that up. And, you know, and after a month or whatever, you know, you, you feel like, Oh, I've, I've given this person the time, then it's up to you. I mean, you, you can certainly have a conversation, quiet, calm conversation and say, look, nothing personal. I just don't think this is working out. I'd like to send my horse to another trainer, or I'd like to take it home on X day. Not like, oh, I, you arrive there today and, and you take it tomorrow. So it's also kind of be reasonable and, and give the trainer enough time that they can fill, fill the stall with another training Absolutely. horse or, or whatever. 
you know, so so there's some courtesy that should go both, you know, both ways, right? And lots Absolutely. of communication. You can you can never have too much communication about expectations or or, or what you think uh, about what's going on, right. and, and give your client and give your trainer on both sides a chance to to meet your expectations. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. Couldn't say it better. So, um, you know, again, if, if Phil and I, you're happy to re- reach out to us and we can help in any way we can. Uh, and we love email and Facebook shout outs from you guys. It makes our day. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. We'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products, The Murdoch Method, and Trust Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 